This is a WTF podcast experience. I'm trying to get younger professional people involved in the industry. Over the next 10 years, business broking as an industry has got its own baby boom phenomenon. Go on the company website, you'll see a lot of business brokers are heading towards retirement themselves. So we need a wave of younger professional people to come into the industry. And for those people that are coming in, the future over the next 10 years looks absolutely amazing. Welcome to Taming the Ferrets, New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarding business podcast, we tame the ferrets once and for all. We welcome entrepreneurs, leaders, and inspirational figureheads to inform, educate, motivate, and inspire. My name is Freddie Bennett, business owner, author, world record holder, and wannabe podcast host, And today, everybody, we have a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome Stephen Matthews from Link Business Brokering to the Taming the Ferret studio. Stephen, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. We are honoured in your presence. I know we've been speaking a little bit before we hit record, and I know this is going to be an awesome discussion. Um, But but Stephen, just to, to start us off, Tell us a bit about yourself and, and, and what Link Business Brokering does. Sure. So I thought um, well, the way I'd start off is actually give you a bit of a background um, about my history personally. Mm-hmm. So obviously you can tell from my dulcet tones, I'm not a New Zealander. I'm originally from the UK. Uh, so I'm a little place called henley on Thames in Oxfordshire, uh, which is a very famous rowing town. Um, so I traditionally, just like everybody else, went through my schooling, went to college and got to about 17 and I realized very quickly that um, university wasn't going to be um, my journey in life. Um, my father was an entrepreneur uh, and I was very aspirational and goal-driven, I'll be honest with you, around money and stuff. So um, I was 18, left college and um, realized that I wanted to earn money, I wanted a nice car, I wanted to have a great lifestyle uh, just like my father provided for us, the family. So um, I'd always had an interest in aviation. Um, planes for some reason as a child I probably ran around playing with them and one day I decided just literally go up drive up to the airport and uh, drive around and see if I could find myself a job and that's what I did uh, ended up working for um, a small logistics company and got involved in that and um, did that for about three or four years working my way up the ladder um, and soon found myself at a young age in my early 20s in management at uh, 22 and as a result of being one of the only sort of uh, single um, people in the office with very few commitments. Um, I was posted off all around the world, Dubai, Lagos, Nigeria, Russia, all over the place, um, which was just an amazing experience. Um, and I know New Zealanders, uh, New Zealanders do it a lot. They call it the OE, but traveling, the experiences you get from traveling and seeing different people in different environments is just second to none. Uh, and I still value that today. Um, so after about three or four years working management, um, I used to struggle a lot as a young man with FOMO. So with that, I mean, a lot of my friends were out partying on a Friday night and um, I'd be finding myself in the office with my boss working on projects, um, working late at night, working weekends. uh, And I was missing out on all this, a lot of fun that all my friends were having. Uh, But I always remember my father telling me that um, opportunities in life come to those who work hard. Uh, So I had installed in me a really, really good work ethic right from as a young child. Um, So I'd always taken those opportunities in life when um, working with my boss and working late and stuff. 
And as a result of that, about two years later, uh, my boss came to me and said, hey, look, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, I'm setting up a new company and I'd like you to be my business partner. And that was the age of 24. Um, so at the time, look, I was really comfortable. I was earning great money, had a good job, had a um, really nice company car, lots of privileges, health benefits and everything else. And made the decision to leave and go with him into partnership, into business. Um, so that gave away all my benefits, half my salary, lost my car. But I saw it as an op opportunity, um, you know, to move forward and get ahead. Um, so that was my first break into uh, business ownership. And it really came about because I had a good work ethic and I'd shown the business partner and what I was capable of. So we ran um, a business, which it sounds crazy talking about it now, but um, we used to charter big Russian cargo military planes um, for American oil and gas companies for oil exploration in Russia. So the easiest way to explain that is in about 1990, when the Soviet broke up, um, effectively all of these Commonwealth independent states were established. And if you've heard of the airline Aeroflot, um, it used to be a nationally owned airline. So every single um, passenger airline, uh, passenger aircraft and cargo plane was owned by Aeroflot. So when the um, CIS broke up, pretty much every country kept whatever planes they had at the time, and they established their own regional and national airlines, including cargo airlines. Mm -hmm. So we started a charter company moving oil and gas equipment for American oil companies from the US into Russia for oil exploration. And it was really, really successful. We were doing literally six, seven, eight charters a week. And then we began to realize that it was absolutely crazy. You'd have one American oil company one day chartering a big, huge Russian cargo plane for a 20-meter pipe. And then the next day, you'd have another American company, a different company, doing exactly the same thing. So we decided after about six months um, to establish what was called a weekly um, chartered uh, scheduled service from A to B into Russia. And we went out and advertised consolidated air freight services for oil companies um, and established a weekly service. And it was extremely, extremely successful. Um, it, we were the only people doing it, uh, made a lot of money. Um, and then pretty much after about eight years of doing that, we found that there was a lot of sort of competitors coming into the market copying what we were doing. So we looked at other businesses opportunities and because my background was air freight and logistics. Uh, we tried to think of something, something else that we could sort of bolt on to what we were doing in the event that sort of thinking in the next five, 10 years, is our business going to be around? There's a lot of competition coming in. So this is the early days of the sort of internet, um, around about 1990. Um, we realized that the web was sort of, you know, really going, taking off fast and lots of businesses were transitioning into providing online quotes and services. So we collated a massive amount of data with all of the airlines' freight rates um, throughout uh, US and the UK and consolidated them into a database and then effectively got an IT expert to design a website platform for us. So we were the first company where you could actually go online and get a freight quote instantly. Um, so if you could say, I've got um, 160 kilos of packages, three cubic meters. How much is that going to cost me to send it from Albuquerque to Timbuktu? Mm. And you keyed in, and it was there. So it was um, pioneering. It was new, um, but we needed more money to market the business. Um, so effectively, we ran around London. 
with a business prospectus, um, going to venture capital companies and seed investors, trying to find money. And it just happened to be that an, um, an entrepreneur picked up our prospectus in a meeting one day and he was doing what was called an IT roll-up. So it was effectively buy, go around buying up startup IT companies and then he bought 10 of them and then he took it to the stock market and uh, floated it and we were one of those. Wow. So, um, yeah, we were lucky enough to be involved in that, um, in the tech, tech boom then and effectively ran that and then on-sold that. And then the chartering part of the business, um, again, as, as I said, you know, competition was eating away our revenue. So we had an opportunity to sell that business, so we sold it. So that, all that process was over a course of about 15 years of doing that. Um, so we managed to successfully sell both the businesses. And that was a point in time when I, had, I was married then uh, to an amazing um, young, at the time, Kiwi girl from a place called Tauranga, which I wasn't never heard of. Um, but yeah, we got married in the UK, had two kids, and it was just when we sold the second business that I thought, is this an opportunity to do something completely different? And my wife enticed me to come down to New Zealand and have a look. Um, so came down, absolutely fell in love with Tauranga. Believe me, when you've worked in Nigeria and Siberia, Tauranga's <laughs> pretty attractive place to, to think about living. Um, so yeah, we, we packed up and uh, brought the kids. So they were five and, five and two at the time. And I'd always said that if we were going to come down here, I wanted to take a year out. Um, so literally spent a year walking up and down the beach in my jandals and everything else and got the kids established in a good school. And we rented a nice house in town. Um, and I thought I wanted to be comfortable here uh, and I didn't want to have any stress. Uh, otherwise, I'd be running back to the UK tomorrow. So as I was explaining to you before we came on online, um, I literally sold up everything. I sold the businesses, sold property, investments I had, and we pretty much cashed up uh, and came down here. So very naively, and we came here right on the cusp of the GFC. So Richie just around about 2007, 2008. And I'd come from sort of pre-GFC economy in the UK with a successful business. Arrived into New Zealand um, just when the GFC hit and I arrived in Tauranga and thought to myself, oh, I'll just, you know, I've been successful before. I'll find something here. And it wasn't quite the case. Um, you know, there's not, well, at the time, there wasn't a large infrastructure for employment here. So I took a year off having a good think about wanting to, what I wanted to do. And chartering Russian cargo planes in Tauranga doesn't exist. That was pretty obvious. Um, so I started looking potentially for a business to buy. And um, I engaged a couple of business brokers. This is about 15 years ago. And I wasn't overly impressed at the quality of uh, professionalism of what I was seeing. For example, I was being given financials and information memorandums for businesses where I hadn't signed a confidentiality agreement. That frightened the life out of me. Um, but anyway, leading on to that, it happened to be that my one of my wife's old school friends um, had just, she was a business broker in town, uh, been going about two years, and she just signed up and acquired a franchise organization called Link Business Broking. Mm. So I engaged with her and we had a coffee and had a chat and I explained I was looking for a business to buy and could she help me? And she said, absolutely. But we got talking and chatting and she said to me, look, Steve, you seem to know a lot about business. Um, how it's about being a business broker? I said, well, it's not something I've really um, considered. I don't really too, know too much about business broking. Um, but hey, let's just see where this goes. So we continue to look for a business and I, I hadn't, hadn't found one. 
Um, long story short, we agreed effectively that I'd join Link as a business broker. So I had to go off and get a real estate license. Uh, and I would do business broking until such time as I found myself a suitable business um, to acquire. And one thing led to another. And uh, I love business broking. Um, I, love the f- I love business anyway. Um, I love the flexibility that it gave me. Uh, there was tax advantages as an independent contractor. And, and I was doing pretty well at it. Um, and one thing led to another. And after about 12 months, I was given the opportunity to, um, to buy into 50% of the business, which I did. Um, carried on broking for a little bit, um, but then decided that my focus was actually building the company as opposed to being a broker. Um, so continued to recruit more brokers, built the company up. Uh, then after about five years, uh, we acquired um, Link Waikato and amalgamated the two together. I'd seen in the market in New Zealand that there were quite a few franchises that were actually sort of joint Waikato Bay of Plenty. So I thought it could work for business broking. Um, so we established an office in Hamilton, um, recruited some brokers there. And then about three years later, we built the business up and had an exit strategy after seven years of running it. And we went to the head office and said, hey, guys, look, um, we're considering selling. and we're, we're about to go to the market, which is a really strange concept, concept when you're a business broker selling your own business. But um, so we had some discussions uh, with the franchise or head office and they, they said, look, you guys have built up a, a fantastic business here. We'd be very interested in uh, buying it off you. Um, so long story, we had, uh, um, short, we had uh, some negotiations, discussions, and they acquired the business five years ago, 2017. And my business partner, she went off to retire in Queenstown. Uh, and then I remained committed to carrying on running the Bay of Plenty. So that sort of transpired into me continuing to run Link Bay of Plenty and taking up a BDM role with the group. Uh, and I also have responsibilities, as I said earlier, for, for Christchurch and um, and for Waikato offices as well. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, it's been a, an amazing journey. Um, you get to meet, in my jobs, just some amazing Kiwi people, good, hardworking, loyal, trustworthy, entrepreneurial people, um, that sometimes, if I'm honest, I get tarnished what, what I call the triple B factor. And that's the fact that they've got a BMW, a boat and a batch, and um, they don't want to go any further. Um, but some amazing businesses around the country as I go around and see. But um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic industry to be in and one that's not going to die very soon. And the reason I say that is that um, it's a global phenomenon is the fact that we've got a massive wave of baby boomers and that's people uh, who don't know what a baby boomer is. It's somebody that was born post the war, Second World War, uh, between 1946 and 1964. So they're sort of 58 to 76 years of age. A lot of them are business owners and um, they're coming up for retirement. So there's a huge wave of people that are going to be exiting businesses and, and needing to, to sell. So from a stock level, uh, we know uh, there's a lot of transactions that are going to happen over the next 10 years. Um, and by nature, a lot of young people in New Zealand are, are very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, the days of just getting a job and sticking at it and working hard, um, you know, young people are a lot more aspirational. They either want a side hustle or they want to be a business owner or they want to earn millions or billions and not millions. So it's good the fact that we've got lots of people looking to get involved in business. We've got a lot of stock that's got to transact. Um, there's business brokers out there in the market to do the, help you do the deals. And as long as banks are lending, um, it should be a very, very active market over the next uh, next few years. 
it's an exciting time and and now I truly know why I said this was going to be an exciting conversation <laughs> Stephen what uh, a story and, and, and what a roller coaster there's so many directions that I want to go with this but I think let's let's start at the beginning because you you mentioned just then young people yeah. at the moment here here in New Zealand and uh, and beyond who are feeling entrepreneurial who want to go and make money and, yeah. and then you talk about the 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 seventeen year old version of yourself yeah. who was there and I love the way you were very bold in terms of saying I wanted to go and make money very similar to, to myself someone you, when I was a child someone said to me what do you want to be when you grow up and I said rich <laughs> and everyone kind of like looks a bit shocked and they say well you, you can't you can't say you want money did you ever feel guilty about what you wanted to achieve and, and what your aspirations were yeah I think um, you know it's and I think still today you know it's a little bit brash and it's a little bit of a taboo that you know it's not a cause cool, not a great thing to say you're aspirational to be rich or to earn money um, but deep down that is aspirational what money provides and being wealthy provides or successful provides people is options in life and what you do with your money or success is up to you if you want to put your kids through private education or you want to put your parents in a good rest home or, or whatever it may be um it, it creates choices but it's interesting i'll give you um a little story about when i first came here was business broking of a young guy i met in a bar once he was 28 years of age, and he was a local um, automotive mechanic here in Tauranga. And, and we got chatting away and stuff, and uh, was telling about my journey and story and stuff. And um, he was very aspirational. He had goals. He wanted to be successful in life. And he said, look, you know, I'm a mechanic. That's probably going to be my lot. I'm stuck on wages. And I can't see it changing. Um, I'm keen. I want to buy a house. You know, we're getting married next year. We want to have kids. Um, but I just can't see how it's going to happen for me as a mechanic. So we got talking, and after about two or three pints of beer later, um, I explained to him that there's opportunities for people like him to acquire a business as a going concern. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not uh, against at all people starting businesses. I've done it many times myself and been successful. I've I've also had failures. Um, But the statistics will show in New Zealand that – something like 65 to 70% of startups will fail in the first five years. And you can burn through a lot of cash um, and a lot of money and put um, you know, your life on the line and it not be successful. So what I'm saying to people that you know, when you assess, if you want to get involved in business, whether it's a, a startup versus buying a business as a going concern, there's a lot less risk in buying a business as a going concern. Mm. You walk in and you turn the tap on and money starts coming out from day one, yeah. but you pay goodwill for that. And then you can establish a business yourself as a startup. You've got to go and borrow a lot of money. You've got to buy some assets. You've got to buy some stock, find a building, find some staff, find some clients. And hopefully in five years, you're not one of the 70% statistic that failed. So anyway, back to the story. I was chatting to this guy and I said, look, I think I could probably um, sort of map out a pathway for you to show you how you can be successful in, in staying in your industry. Because he'd come straight out of school at 18 and had worked 10 years as an automotive mechanic. So he was skilled, got some experience. So I said to him, you know, do you have any savings or money? He said, no, I've got, you know, I think I've got about $10,000 in my savings account. Um, and I, we had a discussion. I realized that he had a pretty, pretty nice car. And he had a couple of jet skis, and a few little toys, a bit of savings and everything else. So I said to him, look, I can show you an opportunity for, for a business I know that's on the market at the moment. It's a, it's a two-man automotive business here in Tauranga. The owner's looking to retire, and the staff member's happy to stay on. 
And the business is on the market for $120,000. And it's making the owner at the moment around about um, $70,000, $80,000. Okay, he just, he wants to exit and stuff. So at the time, um, the guy was on, this is a long, 10 years ago, um, he was on wages and he was probably on about $50,000 a year, um, which at the time was a good wage for a mechanic. So I said to him, look, I can show you a pathway into business ownership. I can connect you with the right people. I can connect you with a good um, accountant who's not expensive, a lawyer, and I can put you in touch with some um, financiers um, that can help you establish um, to buy this business. But you're going to need to make some commitments and you're going to need to understand there's some risk involved. Um, so here's the deal. Very much like when I started out and I took got away from my, um, from my job, is that how about you sell your fancy car, you sell your jet skis, you take your savings, right? And he had access to go and borrow, I think it was $15,000 off his parents. And we put it all in a pot, okay? And we go to the bank and say, you're interested in buying um, a business. Um, and they'll be looking for sort of 40 to 50% equity from you. And what that's going to do is from day one, you're not earning $50,000, you're earning 70 or 75. Number two, you're in control of your own destiny. You've got the opportunity to build equity now for you and your family. And effectively, when you exit, or if you ever exit, um, touch wood, as of today, um, there's no capital gains tax for any profits you make in, in the business as you build equity up. So he was always, you know, we had a few beers more and had a discussion about it. And then on Monday morning, um, he literally just walked into my office and he said, I want to do it. I want to do it. I don't want to be stuck on wages the rest of my life. I'm aspirational. I've got goals. I want to provide for a family and everything else. So we did it. I introduced him to a business coach and um, into the bank and I got him an account and everything else. And we made an offer on the business and it all worked out. And um, that guy is, I'm not going to name him, but that guy is in town now. He employs six automotive mechanics. Um, he's in new premises. Um, he's making 190 grand a year and his business is worth about 550,000. Amazing. Um, so that guy has now got um, an amazing future. He's got a, a successful business. Um, he's built up some tax-free equity in that. But he was aspirational and he was prepared to take a risk mm -hmm. and, and, and make sacrifices like getting rid of the toys, the jet skis and the downgrading the car. And sometimes if you want to be successful in life and, and run a successful business, though, you have to make compromises uh, and you have mm -hmm. to take a, sometimes take a step backwards um, to go forwards. So everybody here, you know, it's a global thing, is that it's so focused on the on the dream of owning your own home. And at the moment, it's just drifting, you know, further and further away. Admittedly, they're coming back at the moment. But most most young professional people, two professional people, mm -hmm. if they're renting and living um, together, um, it's hard to save a deposit for a property and build up um, enough money to put down and buy themselves a home. So that guy now, um, who didn't own a home at the time, who was renting, um, this business is now giving him the opportunity to buy a home, um, which he would never have been able to do before. And mm. uh, not only does he own a home, which he's got some um, some capital and equity in that that's built up, he also owns a successful business. But you know, business ownership is not for everyone. I was going to ask you about this, and because I think I get a lot of people. I, I was had someone reach out to me on Instagram literally this morning, yeah. saying, oh, "Yeah, they say things like I'm." I know, I know I'm destined for more. I've got these dreams. I want to start a business. I don't yeah. know how. And then this and that and that. Yeah. But I love everything you say, Stephen, about the, the, the virtues of, of hard work and work ethic. And, and that's something that I've 
I've learned the hard way, but I, I fully believe that you make your own luck in life. But you, you ask people, why do you want to start a business? And they'll usually say something on the lines of freedom. Yeah. And they've, they've all read the, the four-hour work week. Yeah. They've all got the idea of making money while you sleep and being on the beach and just seeing the, the numbers yeah. appear in your bank account. Yeah. And, and that was going to be one of my questions for you. Do you think that, that anyone or all these people that, that can start a business or, or want to start a business – Yeah. Is it right for everyone? Or, or no, it's not. It's not a film because I can, I can tell you now that, that a lot of people are adverse to risk and it's in their nature, mm. okay, that they won't step on the edge of the bridge or they won't do this or they won't go there because something could go wrong. Look, business ownership, you've got to understand it comes with a lot of rewards. Uh, well, it can come with a lot of rewards, but ultimately you're going to have to accept there's some risk involved in, in doing that. And um, if you can get your head around the fact that there's there's going to be some risk, but mm. there's a lot of people in employment at the moment that um, are not particularly content and happy. They can't see a pathway for a future for themselves. Um, and they're urging inside to do something different, you know, go and buy themselves a business, start up a business. But you've got to take the leap of faith. But there is a lot of people that have actually got a lot more in them than they believe. When you were 10 years old and, and told you that you were going to be running ultra marathons and showed you pictures of these crazy guys running, you just think, that's just insane. Of course I'm yeah. not, you know. Exactly. But if you've got the belief and you're prepared to the hard, you, you don't wake up one day and say, right, I'm going to do something different tomorrow. I'm going to run an ultra marathon. Mm. doesn't work like that. And it's the same in business. Definitely. And you've got to be able to be prepared to say, I'm going to work really hard at this. Mm. I'm going to focus on the areas that I know I don't have the skill set, so I'm not good. So I can outsource that. I can go and find someone to help with my financials and, and, and back yourself and go for it. Because not every single business owner is perfect in running a business. They've all got, you know, weak and strong points. Um, but it's a journey. You know, exactly. you, you find your way. But I, I'm a great believer in, um, you know, success usually comes from hard work and, and luck joining at a crossroads. Um, opportunities. But like you say, you do have to make your own luck to a degree. I wanted to take a quick pause in today's episode to tell you some very exciting news. We are honoured to have the owner of the Bay of Plenty Business News here in the studio, Mr. Alan Neburn. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks, Freddie. Thanks for that welcome. We've got some really exciting stuff coming up in this month's issue. That's the September issue of Bay of Plenty Business News. I knew you were going to ask me about that, so I thought I might as well charge straight into it. Hey, I don't know if uh, if you live anywhere near uh, near Bethlehem. Or Tapuna, Freddie? Yes, Alan, I do. <laughs> well done. I'll give it some context because you're probably starting to wonder why I'm asking that. No, we're not asking people to stalk you, to find you, and track you down. Not at all. Hey, the reason I mentioned that is because we're featuring this month uh, a background story on the new Tolrico Eastern Link Road. Uh, for those of you that don't live in that area, you won't know anything about it. You may not be even aware that it's happening. But for those of you who live near the Wairua River, uh, you may have well seen a lot of activity there. There's big stuff happening behind the scenes. So September issue, Bay of Plenty Business News. You can find out a bit more about what's happening in this massive scheme. Alan, I need to get that information in my life. If I was going to go online to read the Bay of Plenty Business News, what website would I go to? That's easy. www.bopbusinessnews.co.nz I'm there now. Thank you, Alan. And now back to the episode. You said the word lucky. And, and, and what is your view on that, that, that you create your own luck? There will be some luck. Uh, and I can give you examples of people who have been very, very successful in business. And unfortunately, COVID's come along, destroyed the business, or they just set up 
um, you know, a business and uh, just the COVID came and they were nominated as essential service providers and their business just boomed. Mm. That's luck. You can't control global economics, um, but you can take opportunities from them. But you do hard work, create your own luck, take a risk, um, look at the opportunities in the market um, and keep pressing ahead. And most people um, will come out on the better side of it. But, you know, if you're sitting around pondering and wondering for the rest of your life, could I have been successful? Could I have made more money? Could I have given my family more options? Could I have had, could I have had a better retirement? Um, those, you know, the opportunity to buy a business, if you can find some capital to put into the deal, is available to everybody and anybody. So um, it's just not an option only for the rich people. Um, as I said, the auto automotive mechanic he literally had 10 grand to his name at the time and um, sold some assets and did what he needed to do. But um, yeah, you, I believe you do make your own luck, but it comes from hard work as well. And I love that. There's there's a, a concept I was researching a couple of days ago. It's called the the, the victim versus the owner. And, and I say this as a... Uh, probably a, as a reformed victim, should we say. <laughs> you have the victim that says, oh, other people have got, you know, they've got rich parents, they've got a better education, they, yeah. you know, they're, they're a certain nationality, they had a certain upbringing, yeah. um, you know, it's not fair, life isn't fair, and, and they have this victim mindset, or, yeah. and you can tell it in their language, and, you know, why is this happening to me, why isn't it fair, why... Or you can take an ownership mindset and you can say, this is my situation. This is the, the, the hand I've been dealt right now yep. and, and I can maximize it. And my and that's the, You've got choices. Every mm. single person, every day they get up, has got a choice. Definitely. They've got a choice what attitude they take into work, mm. what, whether they're going to complain or whether they're going to look for solutions and stuff. And so if you go into everything you do with a positive mindset, I'm not saying everything's going to work out, mm. but you will walk away from that knowing that you gave it your best you gave every opportunity, you worked hard, and hopefully with a bit of luck, it pans out to work out for you. But um, people make their own choices in life um, about what they want to do and how successful they're going to be. And, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to encourage people that opportunities of owning businesses all around us. And we've got, you know, 200, 300 businesses here in Tauranga available um, to buy. And there are lots of people in employment at the moment that I know are aspirational and really want to get involved in business, but they just don't know where to start. Exactly. It's just in the whole too hard basket. You know, mm. where do I go? Who do I talk to? I'm, I'm nervous about talking to brokerage companies because I don't really know what I'm talking about or, you know, they might ask some questions and stuff. Mm. But look, we're there um, to help people, to hold their hand through the process and saying, if you're keen and you've got a little bit of money behind you and you really, really do want to get ahead in life, we will um, literally map the journey out for you connect you with the right people so you can actually can do it it's such a powerful thing and i think a lot of people get overwhelmed with it's such a big choice and another i'm clearly in a stats mood today and i've been doing my homework <laughs> another really interesting stat i heard recently is that you know again we the the hollywood version is want to be rich start your own business get rich the truth is that three out of four millionaires actually work for someone else. Yeah, you know they're they're in senior positions in big businesses, getting big bonuses and and so on. But I think personally, the disconnect happens when you have someone who's thinking, "I need to be an entrepreneur or a business owner because it's cool." Because I've yeah. seen the Lamborghinis on Instagram and everything else. But really, they would be an amazing yeah. you know, number two, uh, yeah. you know, a, a COO or something like that with a company or 
where you have someone, as you say, and as you were, who has that real entrepreneurial drive and that spark, yep. but someone, be it their parents, their partner, their boss, kind of says, ah, you sure? Yep. Sounds a bit risky. You know, look, look, the economy is not looking great. Look at who's in charge at the moment. Ah, yep. oh, it's not. And they say, oh, okay, you're probably right. And then they, and that's something that I'm, I'm so passionate about. Those people that have that dream and that drive. Yeah. But they dampen down their spark, and and that's when, again, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional, but uh, you know that's when I find people get into trouble in later life when they have those regrets and that bitterness and that. Oh, I'm you know I'm 50, I'm 60. I always wanted to start a business, but my wife never let me, or my husband, or my parents. And I think it's it's about giving people that that guidance. Yeah, it's interesting because I've always like I remember when I was and I was the same when I was a young kid and started out at work 18 or something. And um, you know I had this attitude that you know I was the employee and the boss had all the fancy stuff and it's not fair and everything else. And I realised that I wanted to be that person. You know I wanted to be the person, but I had to make sacrifices and decisions in my life about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And um, and that was business ownership. But as I said to you, I had FOMO. I missed out on a lot. I missed parties and I missed rugby tours and I missed spending time with some family things. And I had to, you know, sell cars and lose a, a, a good paid job to go on this journey that I wanted to do. And I think anybody that thinks they're just going to walk in and start up a business and start making millions in the first year or, you know, buy a business and it's just going to be completely easy smooth as i just pop in every now and again you know see the staff it doesn't work like that um even if you buy an established business you've got to learn the ropes you've got to establish relationship with clients and suppliers and staff and stuff and it's hard work uh, but, but you're right it's not for everybody and um as i've always said if you don't like you're not prepared to accept there's some risk involved and it's hard work so you might not necessarily be going home at five o'clock every day and forgetting about work it doesn't work that way um so yeah I mean, listen entrepreneurship is i wish there was an entrepreneurship um degree when i was 18 because i would have gone to, gone to uni and done it but um there wasn't but uh yeah i mean listen i laugh that you know if you go to it doesn't matter whether you're going to the campsite in new zealand or whether you're going to um getting on a plane mm. in auckland to go fly overseas you know the people that turn left on the aircraft a lot of them are self-made people who've owned businesses mm. And when you get to the campsite, the guy driving the big ute, putting the big sports boat in there, you usually find that the ute's got some sign riding down the side of it, mm. and he owns a business. It's so true. And um, I think about that in my own journey. I mean, obviously, we're, uh, we're, we're two Englishmen in New yeah. Zealand, but yeah. you know, back in my, my, my story is one for other podcasts, but I think back to my, my days of, of, of the corporate world of being working. I had the, you know, I, I had the nice watch. I had the Porsche on the driveway. I had the great six-figure salary, but I still had that entrepreneurial spark inside me. And there's a, you know, there, there's a story um, about the guy who's outside his office one day, and um, and the boss drives up in a Ferrari, and uh, and the guy says, "Oh wow, I love that car." I know this one, and I love it. And yeah, it and uh, and uh, yeah. you probably tell it better than me. But the you know, the boss says, "Well, you know." you put your head down and if you work hard and if you keep working extra and late nights then in a few years time i'll be able to buy another one <laughs> and, uh, and it's just though that thing and know, there's there is that that risk but i do believe in in life that we we have to be bold we have to uh, and i'm not encouraging people take unnecessary risks obviously but i think to uh, that's 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 the point is that's the point is the fact it, it's got to be a calculated risk within your comfort zone where you're prepared to go. And some people, you know, crazy gamblers will throw the whole lot on, on a blackjack or a roulette table. Uh, but some people, uh, sensible people, will literally calculate how much can they can afford? What if it all goes wrong? 
where am I going to be? What are my aspirations? You've got to be sensible with it um, as opposed to just throwing everything at it and going. But, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But ultimately, you know, people have got a lot more capability in them. They're actually capable of running a business. It's having the self-belief and the guts to actually make the decision to do it. Definitely. So, I, you know, you can walk into this um, shopping complex here and stuff and there'll be retailers, people working behind the counter that... Um, have been in the job, there might be a manager there, they've been there for 10 years, and they know the systems, the process, they know how to deal with customers. Um, all they just need is a bit of guidance with how a business operates, a bit of help with the financial support. But um, the capability's there, but have you got the drive and passion to actually make the decision and do it? That, that's the issue. Definitely. Yeah. And in terms of, of the drive and the passion, I've, I wanted to go back to, to that moment or those moments when you'd arrived here you were walking along the beach oh. in your jandals. <laughs> You've had these, uh, you were stacking up the successes before you came out here. And then you were, say so you had this year out. Yep. So were there ever any doubts? Were, were there oh, any moments oh, there was... where you thought, oh, what have I done? Am I ever going to get more success? Huge, uh, huge doubts, huge doubts. Because, um, you know, in a way, very naively, I've been very successful in business up to the age of 40 when we came here. And we sold everything. We sold our property. We had um, property in France. We sold it all up and we put it in a bank account and we got on a plane and we came here. All of our belongings were in a shipping container and we arrived and pretty much straight away rented a house and um, life was great for the first three weeks. And then I thought, right, I'm going to start thinking about what I'm going to do. And I'd literally sort of relied on my previous successes to say, well, it's obviously going to work. If I've been successful in London running businesses, I'm sure I'm going to be successful in Taronga. Mm. You know. And then I began to realize that walking up and down the beach that, there weren't as many opportunities at the time as I thought there were. And it wasn't quite as easy to get that high paid job as I thought I was going to get. And then I started to think, and at the time I was burning through a lot of equity, you know, mm. all those savings. And we came here and the dollar was three to a pound and it was going down and down and down and down. Mm. And um, I was just drawing money each week out of the bank account. And I thought, Struth, after a year and a half, something's going to have to change. Yep. Um, yeah. So there were a lot of questions around it. But, you know. If you look at life, whether it's your own personal um, achievements or financial, whatever it is, it never goes in a straight line. Mm. You know, there's dips and there's little, sometimes you'll go backwards a bit and sometimes you'll drop. But I look at it as an overall, mm. to say, am I happy? What have I achieved? Um, where am I at? And um, yeah, I can show you businesses that I've had that have tried and failed. Um, you know, jobs uh, that haven't turned out or clients that I've lost over the, over the period. But ultimately, I look at it as a whole to say it's it's a journey I'm on and um, there'll be blips every now and again. And literally landing in Tarragon, um, having all my money in a bank account, uh, walking up and down the beach with no job was definitely a, <laughs> a bit of a come to Jesus moment of thinking, what have I done here? Very familiar. I could say, <laughs> I think I know exactly how you feel. I think yeah. I've walked that very same yeah. route. Yeah. But um yeah, I like to look at it in terms of, of, of our life in seasons. Like, you know, you could be in a financial winter, but in a springtime in your marriage, or you could be in a, you know, a springtime in terms of your business or in a summer in terms of your fitness or your relationship with your kids. And these things, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? If it was all just one rocket ship to the moon and, and that was it. But it is, I think that that's the, the balance and, and the fun in life. Um, uh, Stephen, if, if we kind of wanted to... to Focus a bit more in these last few minutes about the the, the brokering side of the business or the business side of the brokering. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, even myself, who'd been involved in business all my life up to the age of 40, I arrived here, didn't actually know what a business broker was. 
I thought, you know, um, what do they do? And so effectively um, got to understand it more about business brokers and stuff. But a business broker fundamentally is governed under the Real Estate Authority of New Zealand. So in order to operate as a broker, you need a real estate license. Um, it's a very niche sector of the real estate. So to give you an idea, um, there's about 16,500 people in New Zealand with a real estate license. And that covers residential, business broking, commercial, property management. So of those 16,500, if you include all of the business brokers, including all competition, there's probably about 300 specialised business brokers covering the whole of New Zealand. So it's a, it's a very niche sector of the market. Uh, so what we um, ultimately do, think of it as a, as a house transaction for a residential agent. We're selling businesses and a residential agent selling houses. But the concept is exactly the same. So a business broker is an independent contractor who works for a, uh, works for our franchise organisation. Um, they're responsible financially for running a mobile phone, a laptop and their car. And there's no other expenses apart from your annual license. And effectively, it's a commission-only role. So we call it a success fee. And just roughly speaking, um, the company will take half the transaction fee and the broker keeps the other half of the fee. So it's unlimited um, capacity to earn what you want. And we've got brokers earning a lot of money and some that struggle. It's the usual 80-20 rule. But if you like business and you like flexibility and you like uncapped earning potential, it's an amazing business. I've been involved in about six different industries and I can honestly say with my hand on the heart, this is the most enjoyable one I've had Um, because I love business. I love meeting people and I love the journey of excitement of actually getting people into business for the first time. And that guy or girl who's had a successful business exiting and taking a chunk of tax-free money uh, for their retirement. They're both really enjoyable processes to go through. You're really helping people. Um, But in order to be a good business broker, you've got to be um, a salesperson. Uh, And I joke sometimes that, you know, one day you're going to be an accountant, one day you're going to be a lawyer, one day you're going to be a financier. And the other one, you're going to be an agony aunt or a counsellor. And it really is that all in a day. Um, but ultimately, if you like sales, you like business, and you're prepared to work hard, um, we've got a lot of trading um, programs that help brokers when they start out. But you need drive, you need passion. Uh, you need to be prepared to go out and do some prospecting, meeting people. I, I call it prospecting, but effectively, it's just meeting people. Yeah. Creating an opportunity to talk to someone about potentially selling their business. That's what prospecting is. And if, if you're prepared to get out and do that. But the, the good thing about it is I'm, I'm trying to recruit at the moment is to say I'm trying to get younger professional people involved in the industry. Because what's going to happen is over the next 10 years, um, business broking as an industry has got its own baby boom phenomenon. So you'll look around, go on the company websites, you'll see a lot of business brokers are heading towards retirement themselves. So we need a wave of younger professional people to come into the industry. And for those people that are coming in, the future over the next 10 years looks absolutely amazing. And the reason is you've got a reducing or a number of business broking, a lot of them retiring. So you've got less competition. We've got a lot of stock coming to the market. We've got a lot of buyers, um, entrepreneurial type people that want to own businesses. And you've got a smaller number of business brokers transacting the deal. So the opportunity over the next 10 years to be a business broker is just amazing. Um, but it's finding them, you know, because it comes with risk, you know, at the moment, if you're in a good job and you're on wages and you're paying the mortgage uh, and you're happy, um, jumping into business brokerage, you've just got to be able to 
finance yourself probably the first six months um, until you get your first deals going. Uh, but once you've done that, um, you'll, be, you'll be away. Uh, so great. It's an amazing career to be. And I said I've been in aviation, logistics, tourism, all sorts of different stuff. But uh, And you operate as an independent contractor, so there's mm. a lot of um, tax advantages to be involved in, in the industry as well. Definitely. And with with your perspective on it, so you talked about the, the future of the the, the industry – do you feel that there's going to be any particular type of businesses or any particular industry that's going to be really successful, that's going to be really, you know, you could put, yeah. it's going to be easier to, to find? Well, it's way. interesting because um, effectively, when we look at businesses, you know, some of them what we call sunrise or sunset industries. So to give you an example, um, we see that um, a lot of IT or tech companies, you know, and I, and I think they'll, they'll go great over the next 10 years because there's still a lot of um, development going on and new businesses coming in. Import-export businesses are good. Good, solid manufacturing businesses um, will have um, a lot of say in the market. Uh, there are some what we call sunset industries, you know, um, video stores. Are you going to be renting a video from a video store in 10 years' time? I doubt it, you know. So I think when people look to buy businesses, um, those are all the, the sort of considerations they've got to make. Mm-hmm. From a risk point of view, because ultimately the, the value of a business is based usually on two things. One, it's the profitability and the future maintaining and earnings of that business. And the one is the other one is the risk analysis around it. Mm. So if I was to present you to business now and say, right, here's a business, it's making X, and it's pretty much guaranteed to make X for the next 10 years. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds pretty attractive to me. Mm. Um, or here's another one, and it's making X, but the likelihood of it continuing to do this is very, very low. Mm. You know, it's going to get a lot lower price. So it's around the profitability, and it's around the risk analysis around um, what the likelihood of that um, business is going to do in the future. Um, but that's every single business has got risk. No, and it's how you, you manage it. And uh, and as, as we were saying, everything in, in life involves yep. uh, risk as well. Um, and Steve, one thing I really wanted to ask you as well, you've been involved in so many different businesses mm. in, in your current role. As you've said, there's so many different businesses that I guess come across your desk yep. as such. Well, I've transacted a thousand in the last ten years, so it's <laughs> a lot. Shiny object syndrome. Yeah, is is that something that you ever get? Is that something that you ever struggle with? Because we have in in all of our lives, we have so many different distractions. I know a lot of people again who one week they're going to start a business, the next week it's going to be I'm going to be a coach, the next week it's something else. Do you, is that something you've ever struggled with, or how have you um, yeah how, how have you found that? As for me personally, or uh, yeah, and and your 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 views on it as well. Yeah, I think um, there's you know there's some pros and cons with it. Um, shiny, you know, the shiny syndrome, as you call it, is effectively that's having aspirations and dreams, um, whether they're realistic or not. But you've got to um, weigh in with the fact of how realistic is it. So. If you've got a shiny dream to do this or to do that, um, what's the most sensible path you should take or you want to take? What are the risks around that pathway? Mm. And, and actually analyze it and say, because otherwise you're going to be changing your mind every single day. And we do have, we have um, buyers in the market that aren't quite sure what they want to buy. They've never owned a business before. One minute they want to buy an automotive shop, next minute it's an import-export, and next minute it's a, something else. So I think we work with buyers very carefully and sit down with them saying, right, where are your skill sets? Okay, where's your where's your expertise? What industry have you come from? Um, what are your aspirations and goals? Because mm-hmm. I always say to people, if you're going to buy a business, you really should be focusing on one or two things. One is leveraging off your previous experience and knowledge and industry where you've come from. Or two, 
buy a business or get involved in a business that you've got um, aspirations or you've got passion for. So if you've got a passion for something, you know, you've got to follow your dream and you've got, um, you, you want to be involved in it. And you, let's, let's say, for example, you're like a runner. Okay, now you've got a passion for it. You might be thinking, I'd love to get involved in the, in the, the fitness industry or, or ultra marathon stuff or own a business that sells that sort of gear because you're passionate about it. But to, uh, sometimes people will come to us and they'll just look at the numbers and say, um, I'm looking to buy a business in Tarang and I want to be making 150 grand a year. What have you got? Well, it's not about that. It's about what's going to suit you and where you're going to be successful. And we need to leverage off what's the criteria, where your skill sets are and what's going to work. Because the last thing we want to do is get somebody involved in a business and it doesn't work out. It's not good for them. It's not good for our reputation. Um, so, mm. And it's funny, I think the whole passion versus money debate is such a key one because again I, we have many people they they start a job in particular and then they say oh i'm not passionate about it and yeah, yeah. I, I want to follow my passion and that's also a great get out clause yeah when when the hard work starts yeah. that's usually when the whole passion debate comes up or don't become passionate about this and and i always say it's not about trying to chase your passion it's about finding the passion in the thing that you're currently right. doing yeah, that's and, exactly and, right. and i can get and I have in the past got passionate about delivering sandwiches, about uh, you know uh, being a being a paper boy. I got passionate about um, stealing my parents' possessions and selling them on the driveway. And I was like, I had my, my table set up outside the driveway. My parents were like, "Wow, you're making some money today yeah. as a ten year old boy." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." As only when they looked at their shelves, and they were like, "Where's where's that antique vase that you sold for a dollar?" And um, but I think it's. It's so easy just to say, "Oh, I'm not passionate about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for something better to come along. Something that feel. Wait for a different time." Or there is no such thing as the perfect business. Whether you're mm. starting a business or buying a business, there's always compromises. Um, but you've got to find out what's going to get you out of bed every day and get excited to go to work. Um, and a lot of people have owned business for a number of years and they've lost their mojo. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, you usually find when you start out in a business, I was used to um, give an analogy like buying a secondhand car. And you'll see, if you see a secondhand car advertised, it will say, you know, only one owner or only two owners. And for me, I used to think, what difference does it make how many people have been sitting in the seat? Um, what you actually find is when someone buys a car, they look after it, they have some additions, they clean it more, um, you know, they're more conscious about servicing and stuff. And then when it gets old and tired, then they stop doing it. So, and it's the same with businesses. Sometimes people have just run their mojo. have lost, lost their energy to get up every morning. It's time for somebody else to take it on. And that person will come on and inject energy um, and, you know, some new resources and everything else and take the business to another level. Mm. And there's some great opportunities with people who've got bus good businesses, but they can be literally brought into the new era of uh, the 21st century just by systems and, you know, currency softwares and um, websites and online platforms and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, no, I think there's so much opportunity out there. And uh, I think, as you say, Stephen, there's the next few years is going to be really exciting. I think on both sides, being actually involved in, in the business brokerage side and also as, as a business owner yeah. as well. It's going to be busy. I can tell you that. <laughs> Sounds, uh, I think uh, busy is always good. We, is uh, good. we like it. Definitely. I mean, Stephen, we're, we're coming to the end now. We've, it's always a sort of a great conversation. I'm like, we've, we've gone way over time and I've, I've absolutely loved it. And if, if anyone's been listening to this and say, they want to get in touch with yourself or, or your business. How do people find you and how do they yeah, get I in think, touch? Yeah, I think, I mean, the people that need to, or if they're interested in getting in touch, is usually somebody who's either considering buying or selling a business. And, and for buyers, you know, if you really are 
aspiration about getting heading life and building some equity and uh, for you and your family uh, we can show you a pathway of how to do that um, of actually showing you how to get into business how if you can afford to do it um, connections with the right people to help you on your journey because I get frustrated with people that are stuck in an employment in a career that never fulfilled their dream of business ownership and, and they and they could have done it by just literally having a cup of coffee with us or one of the brokers so and the same with the sellers that there's lots of people that um, are potentially looking to sell over the next few years. Um, preparation is absolutely everything. Don't leave it to the last minute. Come and talk to us early. Uh, we can give you an indication of what, you've, um, what your business is worth in the market today. Um, so the services that we offer uh, for appraising businesses, it's totally free. There's no fee involved. Uh, it's totally 100% confidential. And there's no obligations. We just want to engage with people and start, start talking through the process, whether it's a buyer or a seller. Um, and then we see where we go from there. You know, people get excited by seeing opportunities. And then people realize that they can actually sell their business as a going concern. Because mm -hmm. one of the problems we're going to have uh, with the baby boomers is if they don't come and consider selling the business as a going concern, the other option is that they're going to be winding down a lease and they're going to be selling off the assets uh, for a, a minimal cent in the dollar. And that's not ideal because even a small business, a hundred, $200,000 business, we can sell that for you as a going concern and that's going to be tax-free money in your bank account um, for, you, for your retirement. The option is wind the lease down, sell the assets off, assets off for next to nothing and, then, and you haven't got that money. So, yeah, we're just like talking to people and explaining to them um, what we can do. But one thing I'll finish off on saying is that every single business owner in the world, whether you own the kebab shop around the corner or whether you're Bill Gates, every single business owner will exit their business. Guaranteed. Um, so it's up to business owners to put some planning in place, give some thought process around engaging people like us, uh, and preparing for the event of a successful sale, which will give them a big um, tax-free um, check at the end of the day. But that that control is with with with, uh, with business owners at the moment. So I love it. So if they want to take control, uh, is, is is there a website that? Uh, yeah. So effective people are getting in contact with us. So um, we're um, effectively a link by plenty. So we're the largest uh, business brokerage in New Zealand outside of Auckland. Uh, we're the most successful. Um, won lots of awards. I've got a team of seventeen brokers in the office. And the reason I run a large team is I need to be comfortable that every or any single person that walks through my front door, whether they've got a $15 million business or whether they've got a $50,000 business, um, I've got a team of brokers in there who are all specialized in industry sectors to help and facilitate those, those people. So, um, and that's really important, having experts in different fields to be able to help you. Um, so yeah, um, you can actually contact us um, through the telephone number, which is 07 five seven nine four double nine four or you can find link very easily on on the web uh, linkbusiness.co.nz and then just hit the bear plenty buddy and you'll, you'll see us all there brilliant Stephen. thank you so much we do have one final question and this is the the secret surprise question you want to buy a business i know well there you go that, that's the second question <laughs> but it is a tradition on this show that the previous guest uh, asks a question of the next guest so here i have the uh, the inspirational never stop looking up question book. So this is a, a question that was left for you by our previous guest. Far away. So I haven't seen this myself. Far away. So the question is, who is someone that has inspired you in your life and why? Uh, that's easy. I can answer it. So it's my father. Mm. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Um, 
Great man, good family man, honest, loyal, very, very hardworking, entrepreneurial, and because of that, inspired me to go off and do what I did in, in, in business. Um, sadly, he's not around here today, um, but yeah, I always often look at him and thinking, you know, he, if he wasn't the man he was and did what he did, um, would I be where I am today? And I don't think that's the case. So easy, yeah. Wonderful answer. And uh, yeah, your, your father clearly did a great job. And, and congratulations <laughs> on all of your success. Stephen, That's it's been wonderful cool. having you here on Taming the Ferrets. We would love to get you back for, for a part two very soon. But Absolutely. Uh, for now, thank you for being part of the show. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.